Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Real Self University podcast. I'm Eva Shea, your host and director of practice development at Real Self. The mission of our podcast is to tell the stories of our industry's most interesting and successful personalities. Today on the Real Self University podcast, I have not just one plastic surgeon, but two. And my guests today are Austin plastic surgeon Johnny Franco and Newport Beach plastic surgeon Matthew Nikeel. Both of these guys, well, they're friends, first of all, but they also both do a lot of Brazilian butt lift and they're both social media superstars. So I think we're going to have an interesting conversation today. And I want to kick us off by just getting both of you to introduce yourselves, tell us about your practice a little bit and explain how you landed where you landed in the world. I like the term nemesis better than friends or frenemies. <laughs> I think it describes us a little bit better, but in the Marvel era, anti-hero. anti-hero. Our little, you know, turf war started back when we were in residency. We actually uh, were residents together at St. Louis U. And so uh, we were one year apart and we did some of the struggles, the perils, and hopefully a, an occasional success together and, and then uh, stayed in touch ever since. And I think our practices are are similar. And, and Matt and I have talked about this a little bit. We kind of had the same, a similar roundabout course to get to where we are now. I think we were both, did some fellowships, traveled a little bit, were part of something else before we ended up in our own practices. And and the timelines were a little off depending on what section we were <laughs> in these growing pains. But I feel like we went through a lot of the similar steps together. Where now I think we're in a very similar place in terms of career, for sure. I think for me, one word that comes to mind is scrappy. I think both of you are pretty scrappy. Do you think of yourself that way, Dr. Nikeel? Yeah, I think, yes. The answer is, yeah, I do. And and I think Dr. Franco, I'm probably gonna call him Johnny most of the time just because we've Fine. known each other for so long, right? He was actually in my wedding. Uh-huh. He was a, a groomsman in the wedding. I think part of why our practices are so similar too is Exactly. We said we came out around the same time. And he and I actually have talked about this a lot. Like, how did you get into liposuction, fat transfer? And how did I get into liposuction, fat transfer? We really never talked about it. Like it was something that we were both going to do. It's just, we both came out around the same time and that shaped the practices because that was what was just going on around in society. And it made sense to start the practice when we were forming what we're going to do in that specific realm. To your point, because I think that we were we're both hustlers. I think we both, you know, came from the type of residency we came to where it wasn't this ivory shelf. I think we worked hard. We hustled. We tried to make the most out of, of whatever we were given. And we fought for cases. We fought to like learn everything we could. You know, we did different fellowships. You went west. I went east. But you and I talked about our, our struggles together all the time. And I think there, for both of us, there was this window of opportunity where with the practices we joined or the fellowships we did, there was not a lot of people doing these procedures. And just our own mindset was like, hey, here's a window. Here's a spot where people aren't doing things and, and there's an opportunity for somebody to do it well. And we talked about that. And that, I think that falls into not only our physical practice, but the way we've marketed and done social media and, and other things. And, and no question, we bounce questions and answers off of each other all the time. But I feel like our paths were similar, mostly because of finding opportunities and then pursuing them. Yeah. And, and actually, I mean, the way that I got into my practice is partially because of Real Self. And I'm sure this sounds like a, like a shameless plug, right? But Real Self back in the day would rank physicians and surgeons kind of in your area based on how many questions you would do. I think it was a nice way to kind of sort of early on, like get everybody answer questions, get them engaged to, to answer different topics. And we were, you know, in Southern California. And so 
I was starting out just at the same time you were. And so I would get online, answer some questions. And I remember I, I like checked breast dogs and like I answered a bunch and I was number, you know, whatever, 500. <laughs> and, and, and I, you know, I answered some tummy questions and the same thing. I'm at the bottom and I just haven't answered a couple of liposuction fat transfer questions because it popped up. And so in my area, and at the time, our first office was in the Inland Empire in Southern California, I was number one. And I mean, I answered like five questions and I was like, oh, that, that can't, that can't be, you know what I mean? And then at the time you could actually expand out your map and I kept expanding that map out. And it wasn't until like we hit like Beverly Hills or, you know, Palm Springs like that I, we had any competition. And I was like, okay, this is a great market to get into. This is what we have to start doing. I mean, that, that's literally how I got into it. I mean, and, and there was a patient need for it. So you were yeah, filling exactly a void right. yeah. where, where patients wanted. And then this, for people that don't know, Matt and I, not this year, obviously, but teach a course at ASAPs yes. on BBLs and butt augmentation and actually super well attended. And, and the questions were pretty great because I think people want to do it. And most plastic surgeons want to do it right. But there weren't a lot of great courses starting from the beginning. And it was actually Matt's idea, but we based a lot of it on what we've changed in our practice and complications that we've had. So basically it was like this case study of each like, hey, here's what we did. Here's the the outcome that we didn't love. And here's what we changed to make it better. And from the the reviews and the comments we got, it was seemed pretty well received. I mean, they invited Jack or they needed a time spot filled. They actually bumped us. I mean, it didn't happen this year, but they bumped us up to the big times, right? They moved us on like a Saturday. Saturday. We were like Saturday afternoon, which is like prime time. Man, we were high-fiving each other. That's why my course got moved to Monday morning. No, I know. But but I, I think it was it was interactive and fun and Matt you tell me but I mean we both got into Instagram social media about the same time and yeah. I think because it was something we were both part of a bigger group and you know a lot of it was we were basically having to market ourselves and we were both in areas that were very very competitive I mean I was in Miami and then in Austin you were in the LA area and so I think for both of us if you look at you know top five plastic surgeons per capita, we hit them. And so it's how do you make yourself stand out as a new person in these competitive markets? And I think that's what forced us to use some of these these other outlets to reach out to people. It's hard for somebody starting out like you and I to compete on a Google pay-per-click with some of these monstrous practices. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I, I think that we also too, in the beginning had to be, at least I was, I mean, you know, for the board certified plastic surgeons looking, there's always that like hesitancy of, advertising, doing stuff when you're not board certified, right? And so I think in the beginning, when you and I got into it, we were kind of like paying attention to it, right? We're saying, how can we kind of work a way to get known? But you don't want to do it in such a way that just advertising blatantly because it's not going to work to your point. And then also just from board purposes, you you don't want to do anything that's going to sort of burn you in, in the end when you're sitting out for your boards. And it sort of came out. I mean, social media was big and, and most of our older guys that were in our practice were not into it, right? I mean, I think I was like, okay, I need to give this a real look because this is a way for me to advertise that's truthfully when you're starting on practice, right? I mean, I didn't have much money to, to advertise in. So it was, what can you do that is low cost? And in most of advertising, that's nothing, right? But this is one mm-hmm. thing that you can do and you can generate that content. And I think that that was another really cool thing about when you're starting off or, or whatever is it's not that capital heavy and there aren't really any advertising models you can talk about where you say, yeah, there's not a capital investment in it, right? 
Matt, and you tell me if, if you feel like this, because I, I got the idea from you is once I made a commitment. You, could you say that just one more time, though? I just I, I just I just like it. <laughs> I know if you you got you got to go to the video. You ain't going to hear it again. I, I need the clips of this. I need these clips. But I feel like my change in, in social media really took a big jump when I made a commitment in the office and, and dedicated somebody to it, you know? And, yeah. and I think we've done it a little differently. I think you do a group of people to help you. For me, I had one kind of go-to person on it. You know, and that always changes as life changes and personnel changes. And, and we've gone in the office doing some other things. But having somebody who, you know, even though it's it's you and me the majority of the time, you need somebody who's helping you to physically do some of the posting, doing some of the video editing, that type of thing, coordinating some of that actual legwork stuff, I think is super important. But like anything else in the office, if you don't have somebody dedicated to it, it falls by the wayside. It's been my experience in our office. I totally agree. I think it's like any of your other employees that you have, why do you have that employee in the office? Because you want that job done and you want that job done well. And so piggyback off my prior statement, which was, there aren't many advertising methods or educational methods you can do that don't require some capital investment. And that's true. I mean, really social media doesn't, but the investment is on your own time. And one of the few things you do have to do, I think, is get someone to help you. And I agree with you. You, you want someone on there that's basically making that front and center, keeping everything up to date, moving stuff through. In the beginning, I don't think anybody just off the bat... I mean, you and I are great examples. We didn't off the bat hire somebody, right? I mean, like, like mm-hmm. we kind of resisted it truthfully for a while. And we're like, ah, I kind of, but it's nice that you kind of learn a little bit of the system. You learn kind of how to do it, but then you quickly realize like, no, if I'm going to have somebody, if I'm going to like really go with this full time, like I need somebody here helping me. And I think my main resistance of it was because I just didn't know. What am I going to do? How am I going to integrate this person? What what am I going to tell them to do? I, I don't know how to use them. Like, I mean, it was just awfully fear of why I didn't hire them sooner. What would you say to, because I get this question all the time. I'd love to hear what you, how you would answer it. What would you say to somebody or a practice that wants to hire a big company that isn't ever in your office and you're just sending them? How do you feel about that? To be totally honest, I think it's a complete waste of your money. Why? I've hired ad companies before. I don't know if you have. And they just do a really good job. It's it's spending money, right? I mean, like, but I mean, they're not going to do a good job. They're not going to do as good of a job. They're not going to build things out. And then in the end, I mean, again, I think probably getting more to your, your question is, what's everything dependent on? Everything's dependent on good, engaging content, right? Regardless of what your ad method is, do you have the content that's going to reach out to the listeners and viewers to want to come in and, and, and watch it? And, that, and that's dependent on you. So in your office. So if you and your office have not made a commitment to create that engaging content, you pay people all the money in the world, they can't do anything with it. You know what I mean? And to pay money, because I want to circle back to that, this idea, and you can correct me if you disagree, but this idea of buying followers, buying things, like I don't really understand it because it doesn't make sense to me. And one, if Instagram finds you now, they will bury you. They will crush you. Two, to the kids and to the people, you look stupid because if you have 200,000 followers and you get 10 likes on your picture, like you look bad and that loses all credibility for the rest of your posts. There's nothing I actually enjoy more than when I'm looking through, I'm like, oh, this person says they've got 120,000 people. I'm like, you know, that, for anybody that's in the game, if you have more than, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 real people, like that's a lot of people following you. I mean, that's 100%. So I love when I, when you look out and you're like, oh, this person's got 120,000. They've got a total of six posts out there, <laughs> right? Like, 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 oh, 
any and like even better you pull the video up it's like 10 views and you're like uh, okay like so you've got 10 people following you i mean obviously it's a little bit of an ego thing i get the argument that in the beginning when you're starting off more people want to go to a busy restaurant nobody likes to go places that are totally empty maybe you want to juice your followers i didn't never did it it makes sense to me like i get that argument but like you know i think what you and i are kind of talk about is to me, that means like you'd have like a thousand or two thousand. You know what I mean? Like like just that there's some base there. But to like go in this 10, 20, hundreds of thousands of people and it's clearly fake, it makes no sense. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's two people that have actually been, for lack of a better word, spanked by Instagram. I mean, at some point in time, you're going to violate a guideline if you're building your mm-hmm. account. I'm just using Instagram as, as an example, right? At some point in time, you're, when you're building your social media thing, you're going to violate some terms of service that you didn't realize. And once you get big enough, they're going to let you know. And so you and I have each both been for a point in time, like shadow banned, right? And Mm -hmm. it is terrible. I mean, like people can't find you unless they put your name in. Your engagement goes down. Your consoles from... I mean, like it's something that you definitely want to avoid. You certainly don't want to be like knowingly doing things that they're going to be like, nope, you're shadow banned. I mean, because you and I have been through it. Terrible. You you don't want to do it. Do you mind? Because I just don't want to skip a couple other points. Can we circle back to the shadow band and also the growing? Because I think that was another good point about there are good ways that you can do to grow your, your engagement. But yeah. to your point earlier about outside companies, I'll tell you from my own experience, we've paid like fancy videographers to come and do really cool videos that, that do well on YouTube. I'll tell you, those same, vid- same videos on Instagram do shitty. They do. <laughs> and to your point about being real is social media is different than Google or some of these other stuff. And I know you do some radio things where they need to be well-produced and so forth. That for me has not done well on social media when they're overproduced. No, no, no. It for sure doesn't. And I mean, Snapchat is a really good example in that if you remember, Snapchat really took a dive when they redid the way that they sort of like put out your friends versus like famous people, right? Like remember before they had it all like as one group. So it was like famous people were your friends, Mm -hmm. you were following them because that's what social media allowed you to do. It made you, it allowed you to feel connected to that individual. And when they rolled out that change where they separated friends from famous people, and that's famously when, you know, the Snapchat CEO said, you know, famous people aren't your friends. Like, I think that that was a major faux pas because that is actually what social media allows you. It's inviting people into your homes. It's letting them see who you are. It's them getting a taste of, okay, what is plastic surgery life? Who are you? What's going on? That's the beauty of it, right? So like the more polished production, if that's really who you are, do it. But you know I mean? Like if that's not who you are and it looks like it's fake, it's not real, it's not going to resonate with people because that stuff gets drilled at them every day. That's not why they're going on social media. In social media, I feel like when used correctly is a great educational tool. And you and I have different ways of going about it, but we definitely use it as a platform to educate. And I tell people, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, TikTok, whatever you want to do is a way of opening this magical black box that plastic surgery used to be. And we've yeah. basically let them look under the hood and say, hey, this is how we get there. And and you do a great segment, you know, real or fake, that I think is pretty phenomenal. And I reference all the time because social media has good and bad. And there's definitely a lot of people who have used it, you know, have turned to the dark side here and, and betrayed their gift of being able to get this education and this information out there. Do you mind touching base on your, your segment and then we'll no, get back to the other topics? Because yeah, I think it's super important because people don't realize, one, if you're a physician, what you say carries a lot of weight. Two, if you're a patient, <laughs> that there's a lot of fake shit out there. 
on Mondays, we, we basically will scour the internet all week to look for... Uh, there are a lot of people out there that will put real versus fake stuff up or sometimes even like... You know, there'll be photos that'll be noted as like, look at this. This has been photoshopped. It's fake. So somebody posted your photos on a different yeah, site. Someone did as, as their own. Actually, that was a, that was a really, <laughs> I mean, you know, the <laughs> imitations like the best form of flattery. But that was a really fun fake or not to 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 do. It was like you know, fake, real versus fake. On our page, it was real. So, <laughs> which is the real Dr. Nikeel? Which one is the real Dr. Nikeel? So we do a uh, real versus fake once a week, and the reason that we got into it again, I think an underlying theme, at least for myself, for social media is you just got to be who you are. And the world is so big. There are so many people that are going to like you for you. There's going to be a number of people that don't mesh with your personality. And that's fine. You don't want to offend people, but don't lose sleep over it. There's different personalities mesh better than others. So be yourself. So I found myself a lot in consults, you know, when people would kind of share their wish pictures, et cetera, which to be totally straight with you is a little bit of an sometimes can be an eye-rolling experience. I mean, I'd like to hear your opinion, right? Because they show you these wish pictures and you're like, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I had a full head of hair. I mean, but but I can't I can't get that. You know what I mean? I've got, we're on a Zoom meeting right now. So I'm gonna pull my head off so you can see my hair. <laughs> I'm never Isn't getting, this... I, Eva, am I, am, I, am I ever getting a full head of hair? I don't think so. No, me either. <laughs> these wish pics certainly have to help you with patient selection though. Like you can tell if they're unrealistic. Yes, but yeah. what I was finding at the same time was these wish pics are coming off of a lot now of like social media, Instagram, these quote unquote IG models that are clearly photoshopping, warping themselves, smoothing their skin out, you know, and, and, and basically setting up a completely unrealistic expectation for other people. And so we, we took that moment, we kind of said, well, you know, instead of us spending 10, 15 minutes in each consult individual, this is really a good topic that we should really expand and focus on for everybody and say, hey, let's pull some of these photos and let's show people why is this fake? Why is this not real? What can we really do here? What are the differences? And also then we sort of take that next jumping point of like, what can you do in your photos if you want to look a little better? Because I mean, I think that everyone would like to look as good as they can in their photos. So is there certain ways you can pose? Yes. Are there certain things you can do? For sure. You should be able to spot it, notice it, and then kind of move on and say, okay, that's not realistic or that is. What advice, man? Because I think this was really cool because, you know, Eva had mentioned earlier that she feels like our accounts are very different. I actually think that they're very similar. We just go about it a different way. Yeah, yeah I was I was surprised to hear her say that she felt our accounts were different too because I, I really feel like our accounts are a lot alike. So, I mean, I'd actually, you know, we'll put, not put her on the spot, but I'd like to hear her kind of break us down and sort of say why she thinks they're different, but I'm with you. Well, certainly, you know, I started with the numbers and and one of the things I noticed right away was that Dr. Franco's account is currently public. And today when I looked, Dr. Nike yours was private. Yes. And I was looking forward to asking you why, and if that was strategic or if there was a reason behind that. So why don't you start there? Our account is private. The long and short of it is, and this kind of ties into something else we talk about, is just, do you follow the terms and service guidelines of Instagram? We really, and I'm sure, Johnny, you feel the same way. I mean, we have really made a commitment to, you know, you can't show nipples, areolas. We can't show any pelvic, vagina, penis, anything like that. Not that I'm really putting it out there anyways, but sometimes when you're doing a quick shot or video, like it's very easy that it could get caught right? You know, just in the shot. So we make a really strong effort that. The other thing that we noticed was 
basically we would have people kind of complain like, I can't believe you're putting this stuff out there. And what was happening was our stuff was getting picked up and obviously put on other people's feeds, put public, put in the searches, et cetera. So for us, we just said, okay, let's just lock it down and go private. And that way we know that the people are following us or actually genuinely interested in it. And they're likely not going to get offended for it. And they likely won't get us reported. It does have the negative that I think we don't now capture that thing of when I put something up, when I tag it to certain topics, I'm not going to pop up in that feed. So I'm relying on word of mouth or other people tagging me or other people sharing it. But so far, it seems to be working. I agree with Matt. I mean, we've kind of gone off and on uh, private for different things for some of the same because you don't even necessarily have to break a rule of Instagram to get a message saying, hey, you've been put on timeout. Please take this time to review our guidelines. And you feel like a small child has been put on your timeout corner. And so we've, we've done that. And a lot of times it comes from somebody has reported you and and John, there's no recourse though either. Like there's- you can you could say that it was done in error, but it goes to somewhere that I've never gotten a response from. That's what I mean. Like there's quote unquote a way. There's no recourse. I mean, unless you have like an inside friend in like Facebook or you know or or Instagram, whatever the your social media platform you're using is, there's no one to get a hold of. The other reason that I haven't put my account on private for a long time is I, I keep applying for my blue check mark. And so if you apply for the blue check mark, you can't be on private. So I'm still wishfully thinking every 30 days I apply. So uh, wish me luck. Who knows? I've applied for that blue check mark too. And no, nothing yet. I, I got I, nothing. So for people listening, you, you can actually apply every 30 days. You go on the settings, there's an application. But you know, if you have six pictures and, and no likes on your pictures, you're probably not ready to apply yet. There's no fees. So you can, I guess. What would be the benefit of the blue check mark, Johnny, for those who are listening? You know, probably like you, we've actually had a recent surge in people doing fake accounts with our name. And so we've had about three or four accounts in the last month that have had some variation of our name and starting to follow our followers. And so the, the idea is that, and the purpose of it was to be like, hey, this is our legit account. If you get DMs or questions or other stuff from accounts that are similar, but not exactly, it's not us. Yeah. There's another difference I can see here. Not a big one, but Dr. Franco has a lot more photos of himself in his feed. Wow. Than you do. Do you know Dr. Franco though? Well, I I don't really think that's surprising. (laughs) You know, this is a a good point though. and, And me and my social media manager get into this argument a lot. And this is where I think having a separate perspective on this can be super helpful. You know, we're setting up our account. If you look, some people have very artistic accounts where every square is made to be an idea. So it looks great when you're just looking at that main page and it has a a big diagram. It all looks very clean. There's only one colors. That's been her push. And I'm not going to say it's wrong because there's some gorgeous pages. I personally like my page to be me. And so if I feel like posting something that day, if it's something that, that catches my fancy, I do it because I want it to represent our practice. And so I, I think there's different thoughts. And when people are putting their, their social media account together, I think they got to kind of think a little bit about what's their perspective, what they're trying to do and have some game plan going forward. I would agree with you. If, if you scroll further way back into my Instagram, it, it was more about me. And I just kind of think in what you're saying, just your page starts to kind of morph on to what it is. And a little bit of that is who's helping take control of it. So our Instagram page controller, her name's Kayla. She does a great job. She's kind of got a vision of it. She wants to do it kind of like this. And for the most part, I say, okay, let's give it a shot. But we actually, funny you say that, we we haven't talked about, we have you know a couple different pages. So 
we have our butts by design page and we have this one. We've been sort of thinking as a push, we need to make this more personal and leave the sort of more educational medical side over on some of the other pages. So yeah, I agree. Do you see a big difference in engagement when it's you, Dr. Franco, versus something that doesn't have you in it? A hundred percent. And so a couple of things, one, something that, that's real, something that's catching. I hate doing like, and if you see it, it's super rare that we ever do it. I hate doing like just stock pictures. Usually it's because somebody in my office snuck this in because they know if I see it, I'm going to be pissed. Mm-hmm. I think it's boring. I think there's a thousand places, a million places you can see stock images. You don't yes. need to come to our page to see a stock image. That's a waste of time. Our job is good, engaging content. You're a cosmetic surgeon, you're an aesthetic surgeon, your job is engaging. Like you should not ever need to use stock anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, like just your point, like it blows my mind every day. Show people how you suture up a wound and they're going to be like, that's amazing. You know what I mean? Like show them how you close a cut and they're like, that's incredible. It never ends. I'm like, Nike, I have some reservations for people listening who hire big companies to do their their social media. And I just, if you're thinking about doing this, and I'm not saying not to, you know, there, there's some great companies out there, but make sure that what they're doing for you is not going to be filling your page with stock images or, or things like that. That if they're going to help you make, be very clear about what they're doing and what you're getting from this, because, you know, it needs to be something that's fresh and, and, you know, it's a fine balance. You want it to be you, you know, I want to, I try to get that our page is educational. We're talking about stuff. It's interesting. It's interesting because people People want to learn something. It's not interesting because, you know, I'm doing some crazy irresponsible thing on there that, that's going to give plastic surgery a bad image. So there's definitely a fine line there. I don't think that a big company in and of itself is a bad thing. I think the key is there still has to be someone in the office whose job it is to take care of Instagram and work with the big company. You can't just put the big company in a silo and say, Instagram sucks. For sure. For sure. It's, it, you, you, you've got to, like anything else, provide the content. Any social media runs on content. So if you're not willing to do it, you're not gonna, it's not going to. Yeah. And that's true even if you hired somebody in your office to do it and you just said, hey, take over our Instagram and you had zero part of it, it's not going to be successful at all. And maybe we could talk about that for a little bit, Matt, if you don't mind, because I'd, I'd like to touch on two points in terms of growing your yeah. account. One, there's some simple things that you can do to get started. And then second, don't get discouraged with people that have big accounts because stuff has changed. You know, this is why we're friends because because we literally are just thinking down the same path. So I, I was writing on a on a notepad, sort of like, what, what are the top five things that I would sort of say to somebody that, that was wanting to get started, right? So for me, Again, underlying, it all comes down to content engagement. So for me, step one is you have to figure out a plan of how are you going to get the content. So I think for the first step, it would be, what is my follow-up schedule like for my surgeries that I do? And how can I integrate photos to be taken in that follow-up method? And at what timelines do we? And, and, And basically, my underlying goal there is I need to start capturing my content, right? And the easiest content to capture right away is before and afters. I mean, that's just like the easiest thing. And now that's where I want, started. Right. So it, we're, we all start. So cool. Okay. For us, we see most of our patients about one week out. Then we see them in about three weeks out, six weeks out, three months. And then almost nobody comes back after that, but we try to get them back later. So at the three month mark, it's known they're going in the photo room. Photos are getting taken. That gets logged up onto their file. That's step one is getting yourself in the habit of getting that content. Right. And then to me, step two is 
you got to take that step and say, okay, what do we want to do with this content? Like, what's my goal that I want to do? Am I building this Instagram page to... For most of us, it's to generate consults, right? I mean, I think like for some of us, yes, I think it's fun. I think it's cool to have people watch us. And that may be your goal. But I think for most of us, say, okay, can I grow my practice by doing this? And so you say, okay, what do we want to talk about? Like if I'm a breast guy, how can we focus around breasts? And then step three, which is super important, is be yourself, right? Like, like just be yourself. There's so many people out there that want to see you, that want to hear you, that engage with your personality. Just be yourself. A couple of things I, I think I love it is one, you just got to get started. <laughs> get started with whatever you're, you're comfortable. And if it's before and after pictures, do that too. You don't have to start with doing surgeries and those type of things. You can do little sessions in your office. You can do yeah. stuff with your esthetician. You can sit there and talk about implants and have the implants in front of you and discuss some of those. But I think that this idea, if you're just going to ignore it, it's going to hurt you. It's going to get to the point where, look, you don't have to have the world's greatest website, but you need something. If people look you up and you don't even have an account, that's going to be a turnoff for a lot of people. Because even if someone says, hey, Dr. Nikeel's great, and I look him up on Instagram and I can't even find him, they'll be like, oh, and move on to the next person because you want to have that backed up. I think second, there's a lot of ways to incorporate it in the stuff you have. Like you should have your Instagram or your Snapchat or whatever, your your social media handles on your website. That's one good driving force. We always do something from our, our social media on our newsletter. And there's a lot of practices that have much bigger newsletters than we do and say, hey, here's some of the stuff. Follow us on our Instagram, those type of things. That's a way for big practices to get at least some engagement going. If you think about it too, like on our stories, we'll easily get thousands of views every day yeah. on the stories. Yeah. I mean, you could say, hey, I want something where I'm going to have 5,000 people look at my practice every day. You'd be like, shoot, I'll take that in a heartbeat. You know, and the thing is, you do have that. Yeah. <laughs> and so engaging on that. But with social media, if you fall by the wayside, it will fade out too. People will lose interest on you. So you can't just be one and done. Yeah, I agree with you. I think you added the word sort of quality. So I, I think obviously you've got to have quality content, right? And that doesn't mean, and I think there's an important difference between quality content versus like really complex. Like you don't have to be like, okay, what are we going to do that's new? What, what are we going to do that's going to, you know, something that, that we've never done before was really going to capture. That, that doesn't mean quality, it just means that you're putting effort in and that you're showing that you really care and that you're showing that you are really taking interest in something. If you're just, you know, kind of like, yeah, whatever, just see what we're going to do. Like it comes off. You do a podcast. I do a weekly, we call it our butt talks, you know, <laughs> pre-COVID, like right when we announced that we were probably going to close down, like everyone kind of was negative and we was like, yeah, whatever. Well, she's like, you can see it and you can feel it on the video. You know what I mean? Like, like I, and I'm sure you've probably experienced that sometimes on your podcast. If you are rushed and you're not really willing to put the time to make that quality content, some way it comes through. You know, it's like, it's like that sixth sense. Like you can just feel it. Like this guy's, he's not into it. Like he's not feeling it. This isn't genuine. I mean, you can just sense it. And the other thing to people starting out is that you and I started before Instagram changed its algorithm and really kind of to some level buried plastic surgery. Yeah. Uh, one, definitely you, you get flagged a lot more often. Two, they hide a lot of your posts and so forth. So don't want people to get discouraged if they started a social media account and haven't built the followers as fast as they, as they thought or as fast as they've seen some of these other accounts. I'll tell you, our growth has slowed dramatically over the past year. And so, I mean, we were growing like wildfire and I mean, it was like a switch when stuff changed. It slowed things down. So don't be discouraged. You know, you just know that it's going to take a little bit more time. And so that's fine. I mean, but like most real growth 
is slow, right? I mean, there'll be points and times when you're making content, someone else will pick it up, they'll post it, you'll see a jump, and then it's going to be the slow growth. And then it's going to be, you know, like someone else picks up, jump. So, I mean, real engagement, real viewers, it's not this like, you know, logarithmic growth, right? It, it, it's a slow kind of grow. I mean, if, if it's a real account. If it's a real account, I feel like some of the things that I, I've seen dramatically, I think overall they've buried some of it. So I think just some of our exposure has gone down. I also have seen, and maybe it's just the spread of more accounts, is I feel like we used to have more viral videos. We had one video that that had, I think, something like a million views and, and something like 900 comments was the best that we've ever had. Right now would be a great time for people that are listening to sort of think like, okay, what what was this amazing video that, that Johnny was, put out? I almost didn't post it. It was horrible. What was it? What was the video? Uh, it was a, a Keller funnel in an armpit that was like off at a weird angle. That's right. Nothing more than just showing how you can... Now to us, we see Keller funnels done all the time, right? But that's it. Just that quick sort of like pop in, boom, the implant goes in. Boom. And it's in. I think you even said boom and it's in, if, if yeah. I remember the video correctly. And that's it. Nothing more. And, and it was... video must have made it in the Explorer. Like it must have gotten... It, it had it made in the Explorer. Oh. Obviously, things like that give you a big jump. So we probably jumped seven, 8,000 followers yeah, for sure. overnight just because obviously if you get a million views, hopefully a couple of people <laughs> yeah. want to see more. But also too, that's when you can tell that stuff's real because you have a ton of views. You have 900 comments you know yes. when again yes. when the things are disproportionate i've seen stuff where people have 30 40 views and have 300 comments and you're like yeah, yeah no. um this math doesn't add up <laughs> have you guys seen this thing recently about a week ago in the new york times there was an article about the new way that people are buying followers i'm doing air quotes that you can't see no I influencers are giving away cash to people and then it's drawing a huge audience. I got you. So they're organically following, but they're getting there because the person with the account is giving away a huge pile of cash. You know, honestly, Johnny, I was approached by, he was a, he was a celeb in it. I, I'm not going to say his name, but it seems so weird to me. They were giving away actually watches. They were giving away like Rolex watches. And I, we bought out of that. I don't know about Jimmy. And I, I think it's hard to know what, what to do with some of this stuff. One, you want to make sure stuff's legit. And I think yeah. that's the hardest thing. I mean, you probably see it. I mean, how many advertisements or somebody's trying to sell you something? Do you get DMs on your account all, all, the, all, time. all the time? You yeah. know, and sorting through the weeds. And this is where I do think a social media person company can help sort through some of the stuff that, that you get. I think another topic that maybe we have time for or not, but you know, how do you work with influencers and things like this? And that's to your point, Eva. And, and it's yeah. not going away. A lot of companies do it, but I think you've got to be smart about it. I think you got to be systematic about it. I think you also have to make sure that the people you're working with really have the following and engagement yeah. that they claim they do. For a while, while we were growing our med spa, we were really, really doing a lot of like, quote unquote, influencers. And we weren't really filtering them out that hard because it, it, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, a, a couple units of Botox is not going to make or break, right? For influence things. But I think to your point, we have a team on our end. We have four people in our office that basically do this. Started kind of combing through their followers, seeing who they are, looking at kind of their engagement that they have going on, weighing what is their followers looking like and will that be impactful 
to our followership, right? Like, so, so a great example is we have people all the time reach out to our Instagram models who basically just show photos of themselves in bikinis, which great, it works for them. But their followers are, are typically like 50 year old men. And, you know, I mean, like, that's not your demographic. Right. That's not going to, what's If they're a legit influencer, you can just straight up ask them, hey, send us your engagement, send us your information. And if they're used to working with real companies, they don't even blink, they don't hesitate. They expect that question from you. And if they can't give that to you, if they don't know, then like everything else, you need to be worried about it. Right, right. And I mean, obviously, if, if I was running a sort of, you know, male rejuvenation clinic, that's a great influencer to work with, right? But that's not my target demographic. It's like 25 to 30 female. That's not going to really get the needle moved by that influencer. So I think I totally agree that you've got to, like anything else, know your target market and then be able to jump off that and say, okay, which people are impacting that market? And then you need to be very structured about it in terms of like, hey, you know, here's what what we're doing. Here's what we're, you know, expecting in return in terms of posts, other things or else it's it can be really hard. And then I think second to that point and, and circling back to Eva about these like giveaway type thing stuff is one, it goes back to, is this something that's going to help you? Because if this influencer or something that's doing this is located in in London. And even if you get a big jump, is that really going to help your practice? I think from like a Nordstrom's or something that's worldwide, maybe. And so I'm not saying yes or no, but I'm just saying, make sure that you kind of, if you're going to do anything, do some research and how you're spending your money, how you're spending your time, how you're spending your resources for this, and that it's really going to be beneficial for you. I've been marketing cosmetic surgery for 17 years. And I've seen everything. I mean, I started before you guys had websites. There were no doctor websites. And I can say unequivocally across 17 years, there's never been a magic bullet for anything. And just the, you know, the version of for today is the buying followers thing. And so like, you know, when you're at the ASAPs or whatever meeting and there's the booth where the guy's like, you know, we can get you at however many thousand followers. I just cannot believe Anybody stops and even talks to that guy. You know, there's always exceptions to rule, but anytime that people can quote you how many followers they can get you per week, the only yeah. way that anyone can do that is because they know the cost of buying fake followers. Right. And every week they can they can purchase that that number every week and send it to you. And, and mark it up a hundred times. They can trickle them in as slow as they want, you know, so it looks quote unquote organic. And you walk away none the wiser. I mean, both of us have actually been on Dr. Miami. So, I mean, if, you, if you're talking about good social media accounts, I mean, really, he's one of the first guys that took an interest in it, did it, put staff behind it and built something. Props to him. But he did math on it, right? And so his numbers actually show that when you hit about 30,000 real followers, you're able to support your practice. If you can get that number up to about 100,000, you're able to be re- recession, what he called recession proofs. I wonder if you would say you're COVID proof. At, at yeah, I don't, don't want COVID. <laughs> Being shut down is zero, right? right. I mean, but you could be a million. I mean, but the point to that is that because you, you hear these guys that talk about how they can buy, buy followers for you and they're throwing out these giant numbers. And the reality is, if you have, you know, like half of those numbers really following you and engage with you, you're going to see huge movement on the back end. I mean, John, I'd love to hear your opinion. I mean, I think it's a couple of things. One, I would argue some of those numbers have changed a little bit as there's more people on social media. You know, I think a lot of it has to do with, with he has a really great engagement, right? So I think I think all of that again falls back to 
he puts the time in, the, in that creative content, he gets that good engagement, right? And part of the Dr. Miami thing is, is a couple of things. And, and this goes to a couple of these points is one, does it make sense? Like part of doing the Dr. Miami thing was actually learning their system and some of the things yeah. that they do and, and how involved they are, how they do stuff every day, how they do this. And, and, and obviously if you're going to make that trip, you typically have decided I'm going to be committed to this. That That's number one. I think number two, doesn't make sense to do any of the other things. If you don't already have a plan or a commitment to have good content and be engaged every day, because so what if you get a million people to look at your content or your page on one day, and then you don't do shit because then those, those people are going to lose yeah. interest. They're going to fade. That's not going to be beyond there. The other thing about Instagram stuff is a lot of people are casually looking. So it's not like a pay-per-click where I'm searching best breast augmentation, you know, in Newport Beach. And so, I mean, you tell me that, but I've had a lot of people say, hey, I've been following your account for a year and a half before they come in. So the idea that you're just going to overnight change your practice, I think is not necessarily true. And that goes to the organic growing over time. I mean, into how much recession or other stuff. I do worry about that. I mean, I think with our social media, we were able to, and Matt and I both did this where we did all of our previously recorded surgeries. And so we were able to post stuff. And in return right now, we don't have any more open surgery days until July. Yeah. You know, after all of this Mm -hmm. and with people still being, being nervous about it, I don't think that's bad, you know, in terms of where we're at. I'm sure there's a couple individuals listening to us right now who are like, I'm slightly better than that and and great. But I think compared to the majority, I I think we're in the beginning of May, we're booked into the July dates. I think that's pretty good coming off a a time when everybody was shut down. The other thing that I just want to circle back on some, the days of when people would search best breast dog stuff too. I mean, you were getting squeezed. I think that's the other benefit of social media is like, you're able to control this within reason. Like you were getting squeezed. You had somebody who bought the website best breast dog, and then they were scamming you. Oh, we're only going to put the top three and then it's the top five. And then, you know, slowly they're just charging for all these, all these things. Like that's the nice thing about what the social media does. You're not getting like undercut or there's not, you know, the, big bad advertising company that got the hold on this just saying, hey, do you want to be part of this or not? The only thing that's limiting you is you. That's it, right? And and for one of the final sort of steps, I would say when you're when you're looking to kind of take part in this is call up anybody that that does it if you find them. Like I, I know I'm sure Johnny, same way as me. I get DMs all the time. Hey, can I come in and just sort of see what you do? Yeah, I say yeah all the time. I'm like, yeah, come on. I have nothing to hide. And the reason I have nothing to hide is because you and I, Johnny, are, are slightly different. We're, we're similar, but we're different, right? Because we bounce people back and forth. We'll refer people back and forth. You've got people that meet with you and they say, oh, I was met with Dr. Nagle. I, I really didn't like him. I, I did, I, you know, he wasn't for me. And, and that's exactly right because people are going to mesh on certain personalities. And I think that's the beauty of it. And, and to Eva's point, there's, there's no like secret sauce, magic bullet that we're doing that's like making this grow. I mean, it's hard work because look, is there times that, that you're upset? You know, your dog died, you got into a fight with your wife, who knows where you don't feel like smiling and being on your own game and, and you got to push through anyway. You know, we could have sat around and did nothing. Instead, we went through all of our kind of like best videos. We still posted stuff. I, I think we still made an effort to do something every day. But honestly, here's the double-edged sword of that social media thing. And I'm not suggesting anything, but if your dog died or if you had a big fight with your wife and it was really important to you and you're really were, and you're just like, I'm just going to be me and I'm going to be committed. And you put that out there on social media that yeah, actually today is a really hard day. I'm, I'm really not feeling into it. I'm sorry, my dog died. Like, and you were just real on it. That would be one of your best engagements ever, right? Because again, it's just being you and people just want to identify with you. I want to point out 
there's no single thing that you can just do for marketing and neither one of you just does Instagram. Mm -mm. It's a table or it's at least a four-legged stool. (laughs) And so if you lose one leg of the table, your table is not going to fall over. 100%. 100%. I think putting all your eggs in one basket is never a good idea. We're, we're updating our website right now. We do Instagram. We, we do Snapchat. We do some TikTok. We do Facebook. We do a podcast. You know, and most of this goes across all the platforms because we have a website for our podcast. We do slices of our podcast to put on our Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. Most of the stuff that you put on Instagram, you can also put on Facebook, Snapchat. <laughs> and so I feel like they go hand in hand. And so the more you can spread these across more, multiple platforms, I think the better off you you are. And this is something where, again, having a social media person can help you because if you're creating the content, they can post it on, on the different sites, which is super helpful. I think they can also help with some of the stuff, not to ignore it, that Nike brought up earlier. They can help with you know avoiding some of the shadow bans and, and other things of how to know whether you're using tags that are banned and those type of stuff that most of us don't have time to keep up with what words are banned right now, what words are not used and, yeah. and so forth. And that's where a, a big company or somebody can help you be like, hey, dude, you're doing stuff that's getting you flagged. <laughs> it is good to have an expert in your back pocket. Yeah, for sure. You don't manage your website by yourself, do you? Oh, no. <laughs> Most of us don't. <laughs> no, I actually, and honestly, I mean, I, I don't know, but I mean, I, I have a individual that works part-time for us because he's a web tech guy. He does freelance web work, but we bring him into the office for you know one day a week and he deals with my website companies, right? Because I know like he can talk the talk. And to your point, like you know, we discussed it earlier, do you have someone in your office that is communicating with that ad agency that actually kind of knows what they're to do? I bet he's worth every penny. Right. I totally agree. Because yeah. before that, the website would be like, oh, we're doing this way. And then when my web guy got on there, he started, he's like, well, we do. And like, I could just see like all of a sudden, like my page just went up and I was like, oh, okay. So because it, it's like just when people come in, for those of us that, are, you know, for those people who are listening, when you have someone come in who's really done the research and they're asking you like these, these background in-depth medical questions, you are going to just give a more detailed in-depth answer. And, and just by the very nature of, you're engaged in this conversation more because they actually understand the lingo. They understand the language. There, there's no barriers there. And so I think it's the same when you're working with somebody else. And they're like a personal trainer because they're going to make sure if you've hired them and they're there, they're going to make sure you do it every day. Like, hey, I came in at, at eight o'clock, you know, we're doing our butt talk. Like, let's yeah, go, sure. Nikhil. <laughs> yeah. You're exactly right. Then just to circle back on, on the social media thing and sort of tie in the multi-legs of the table, Creating a social media sort of platform or creating your social media strategy, take the time and do it. But but that should be a strategy that you can use on any other advertising method. It really shouldn't change too much on the different styles that you use, right? Because an ad strategy or a marketing strategy should be principles that you can take to other you know, whether it's you want to do radio, whether it's you want to go on the website, whether it's you want to, you know, you do do a different digital push, whether you're wanting to do speaking engagements, you, you still run through these same strategic points. And so it's not anything like spending that time. And if it just so happens, hey, I'm trying to get into social media, spend that time, build that strategy. That's not like a one and done strategy. That's mm-hmm. a strategy that should be looped into everything. And honestly, then it actually all focuses and fights together and, and is, is much stronger. You're talking about having a brand, understanding your brand, and then expressing that brand through all the channels. The channels are not the brand. Exactly right. Exactly right. So we got to talk about TikTok, okay? And here's why. Three months ago, I think, I don't read the New York Times a lot, but I happened to catch a story about 
a New York City plastic surgeon who tried TikTok patient facing, got 100,000 views and realized immediately that the audience was like 12 year olds and freaked out. And he said, I'm not doing this. And so fast forward to last week, I had a very competent and smart practice management consultant tell me, if you're not on TikTok, you're too late. And I was like, no, it's only been three months. So what are you guys thinking about TikTok? Are you trying it? Are you going to go there? One, I would say you're never too late. I think I think you need to be on, on this stuff no matter what. And true for Instagram, these things, because you need to have a presence that people are looking out, even if it's not a million followers. I think you need need to have something. Yeah. So I, and actually, I'm, I'm glad that we're, we're touching on TikTok because to me, TikTok, sort of one of my obviously underlying themes is be yourself. So TikTok, I'm not a good dancer. Like not only am I not a good dancer, I'm a horrific dancer, like to the point that nobody would even want to watch it. They'd be like, oh my God, this is so bad. Like it's not even on a, on a, on a blooper thing. So are you saying TikTok just is for dancing? But it was originally, right? Right. Put to music, put a beat, can you do a little dance? Like I can't do that, right? So and it wouldn't be me. I'm not a dancer. Nothing about that would be real if I tried to do it. So what we've actually started to do is there's many other things. There's like the, the room previews. We're now actually doing like the how-to videos on TikTok, which actually are very big, right? Like Again, you take that same strategy that you're using on other stuff, be yourself, take your strategy. You can move it to the TikTok platform. I think right now it's in vogue. And so the reason you're looking to get in social media right now is because it's in vogue. So that means that you're going to be doing jumping back and forth between platforms. I do think it's interesting though that you say your age demographic, right? Because to me, if I had a face practice and I was dealing with like, you know, a 50, 60, 70 year old, like, I would actually be concentrating on Facebook right now, right? Because like there's that like age demographic lag. So I think it's really interesting when you brought up that example, because you're right. Like if I had an older crowd, I don't know that I would necessarily be getting into TikTok right now because I don't think that it... I think my return will be very low. Whereas some of these other things, I'm sure Johnny, I would imagine you don't spend too much time on Facebook with your current marketing strategies. But for other people, I think it could be very beneficial. 100%. 100%. And then, you know, a couple of years from now, there's going to be something else. <laughs> and, and what do you think is going to be a couple of years, right? It'll be probably be like six months. We'll be on something else, depending upon which age group you're going for. I mean, no question, TikTok was a very young crowd. And, and obviously, it's probably still swayed that way. But stuff changes. I'll tell you, I was in my car driving home this weekend. And my aunt's talking to me. And she's like, oh, I'm going to I'm visit your mom when all this is over. I've just been really bored. She goes, but there's this thing that I love doing and and you know i've been locked up and this has entertained me i was like oh you you got on youtube and she's like no i youtube's old now i youtube i've, I've watched everything i'm like you've watched everything on youtube she's like yeah <laughs> and she goes she goes i do this thing called tiktok and i was like this is my 65 year old aunt and she's like yeah i love it <laughs> so you know i i it's hard to say because it's across. She she was teaching me all about TikTok. She loves it. It's a rabbit hole. <laughs> I, I love TikTok. What got me hooked on TikTok, honestly, was I don't know if you guys did Tiger King over the COVID quarantine. Like like right. I watched all of Tiger King. I thought it was hysterical. I had listened to the whole podcast already. I couldn't finish it, dude. I just couldn't finish it. I felt like that was my entire upbringing. Oh my! God. Oh no! <laughs> What? No, what <laughs> Johnny Franco. Sorry. Uh, true. If you, if you knew John, that, 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 that's accurate. Uh, but when they did that music video spoof on Carol Baskin, like, I mean, I thought that was hysterical for, for those of you that, that listen, know it. I mean, amazing. I love the app. I find myself endlessly caught in it all the time. Yes, it's a rabbit hole for sure. 
if you have hours to waste, that is the place to do it. Oh, for sure. Carol Baskin. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I think you guys have been amazing. And I've I've learned a lot just from your conversation and your experiences with this stuff. And we'll definitely come back to you for more. But what I want to close out with is my usual question that I ask everybody. And, and I know you answered it before, Dr. Franco, but I've never had Dr. Nikeel on. So what is your unique superpower? What is my unique superpower? Oh, I like this. Oh, I don't know, man. Wait, wait, wait to catch it. Johnny, were, were you like right on the spot with this question? Did, did, did I need a little second here to think about this, but this is I, just your time. Right? I kind of want to change mine. I want to, I want to say that I'm more of like a, and, and May the 4th just came by. So I'm going to, I kind of want to be like a, a little bit of a Jedi because I feel okay. like as plastic surgeons, we have to, we have to basically like read people's minds of what they're trying to get at it for their goals. And I feel like people are, who are, are really successful, have a good way of kind of reading people. And I, I was on a IG live with, with Dr. Buford recently. And one of the things I told him is I actually right now enjoy the virtuals probably a little bit more than the in-person stuff because part of your, your Jedi mind tricks is reading facial expressions, body language. And I feel like with people having masks, gloves, everything else on, it has thrown off that radar a little bit of kind of getting a feel of what people are thinking, making sure they're understanding what we're saying because they'll say yes. And really they have no idea what we're saying and we need to circle back. <laughs> and sometimes it's hard with a mask and everything else going on. That's an interesting silver lining to the virtual consult. I like that. You know, I, you can well, be my patty one if you want. No, I don't want that. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't want your leftovers, Franco. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to sap this up here. I'm going to say I'm a dad. So I'm going to say my superpower is that I'm a father, right? And it's been, it's been a really cool thing to experience. So obviously, we got off the COVID quarantine, right? And so I was able to spend six plus weeks. I, I don't even know how long it was. I can't remember. Just spending time with your kids, taking them out. So we would go hiking all the time, you know, just sort of teaching them. And it was fun. And so, I mean, to, I, I realize there are a lot of dads out there, so that's not necessarily like the most unique superpower, but that's my superpower. Just Does it make you a better doctor? Not to make Dr. Franco feel bad for not having kids, but... <laughs> no, let's make him feel <laughs> bad for not having kids. Huh? None that he admits to. Not to throw shade at John by any stretch. It has changed me. It has. Because I just look at stuff differently. I look at stuff differently from the standpoint of like, well, you think about future generations and you think about, okay, is this is this the right move? And I, I think about, okay, if what if, you know, I have a daughter and I have a son, right? So I think, okay, like what if my daughter is 18, 19 coming in asking me these questions? What, what would I say? Or what if my daughter is 22 or 23 or what, you know? To John's point, a lot of sort of reading people, et cetera, you know, but you know, I have a 22-year-old in here fresh off a breakup, now wants to do this full body makeup. You know, what's the right, what would I want someone to say? So I think from that standpoint, it does. It just kind of helps you think more long-term. Not that I didn't do it before, but I think now you have a reason to do it. And so you put more passion into it. Mm, I like it. Thank you guys both for being here today. Thanks for having us. This was fun. A little little reunion, if you will. Yeah, this is for any time that, that we can all hang out. This is very fun. I enjoy it very much. Let's come back in six months to talk about TikTok some more and see where oh we're Oh my at. gosh. We'll do it. Thanks for having us, Eva. Appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Real Self University podcast. 
The mission of Real Self is to create a world where every investment in modern beauty is worth it. And Real Self University is here to help aesthetic professionals do just that. The mission of our podcast is to uncover stories and data from our industry's most interesting and successful personalities. If you'd like to be a guest on the Real Self University podcast, have feedback or questions, email university at realself.com. Support us and help us keep this effort going by subscribing to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like more information about becoming Real Self Verified, go to realself.com slash network and enter referral code podcast to receive 50% off your first full month of Real Self Spotlights. I'm your host and producer, Eva Shea. Our post-production is by Daniel Cruiser. All of our learning and practice development resources are available on demand at university.realself.com.